The Word of God from Corinthians. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. All together. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Um, please take your seats. Um, I want to invite Jeremy Tittle, one of your elders, to the stage. Um, this morning we have the privilege of hearing God's word uh, from one of our own ruling elders from the session, Jeremy. And um, one thing that I want to tell you guys is that um, God has given Denver Press such a good group of men on the session as elders, and they love you. And they care so much about you and would do anything for you. And that is really sweet. Um, If you're not familiar with Presbyterianism, Presbyterianism isn't principally um, about theology. It's principally ecclesiology. And what that means is I'm not the boss. I'm the pastor, but I'm not the boss. And so if you could think of a pyramid, it's inverted. So uh, your elders, of which I'm one of them, are servants, not just bosses. And I am so thankful to be on session with Jeremy. Uh, Jeremy, can I pray for you? All right. Lord, thank you so much for Jeremy. Thank you for this group of elders that you've given that care so much about this expression of your body. Lord, bless all of us. Make us soft. Illumine your word that we would know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, I, um, I haven't felt this cool wearing something on my belt since I was like Batman and for Halloween at eight years old or something. So... Um, but also haven't felt this nervous since like the first time I tried to kiss my wife, Kristen. So, um, (laughs) uh, you're surprised today. I'm sure when you showed up, uh, you were maybe shocked even like you got a worship guide and you started thumbing through it and you're like, oh my gosh, there's somebody else up there. Um, so let me briefly kind of resolve this mystery a little bit. During the sabbatical of Jason Walsh, uh, associate pastor here, there's one less pastor that would offer liturgy and preaching. And uh, so here I am, 
uh, offering variety like you've seen the others in liturgy and preaching before me. But besides, I've preached before. Um, Before you start saying that's not news, every time I talk to that guy, he preaches to me. Um, No, I mean in the pulpit. I know it's hard to believe, but it's true. I once lived in Banner Elk, North Carolina, the other side of the globe from here. And there in a small town of 600 residents, think like Fair Play, Colorado. In my small mountain church, uh, I was coaching there college soccer and uh, was in a Baptist church there. And I preached one time. So if this is uh, God's plan to try to develop me into a preacher twice in like 25 years, I'm going to have to live as long as like Moses or Methuselah. Uh, I don't know how this is going to go. I, I don't really know what I'm doing. Um, that's not true. I do know what I'm doing. I'm just not doing what you think someone usually does up here. That's not what I'm doing. Uh, though I considered it, I'm not giving an origin story or an exegesis of the text. I won't even be covering all the verses that Tanner read so well for us, but I've heard enough Presbyterian sermons to know you need a C.S. Lewis quote, and you need some Latin, Greek, or Hebrew references. So in that way, I may not disappoint. But obvious point is not to look at me, Jeremy the preacher. Paul writes us an extended metaphor. I hope to take this concept and sow four handfuls of seed with you. I hope to share four observations about the body of Christ. In preparing for the sermon, my wife Kristen, uh, she asked me, what's going to be your encouragement? And I hadn't actually thought about that yet. So I pondered it for a little bit. And it's like, what will be the encouragement, the challenge, the invitation? You may have to listen a little closer, lean into the hard right and left turns. Be a little more open, put up with me being more bound to notes than other speakers. But spoiler alert, isn't Jesus always the invitation? that we know Him, submit to Him, and follow Him. Among the scattered seeds I offered today, may you find one of encouragement, maybe one seed of challenge or invitation. The invitation to see Jesus today and not let me, the speaker, be the reason you don't see Him. If you want... It'll be really easy to look at me remembering some time when I disappointed you. You've seen my mistakes or sin. Sometimes when I didn't welcome you warmly or hug you by. Sometime when I did work for you that missed your expectation. Sometime when I was in too big of a hurry or slighted you or one of your friends. That I was annoyingly coughing or sneezing too loud. Anytime I was slow to listen, quick to speak, and listening to me and remembering Jeremy, you might miss the one seed meant for you. You won't have to look hard to be distracted from the one thing God might have for you today. 
the one thing come through song or sacrament, through fellowship in the foyer, passing the peace. The one thing might come during the sermon or might have come and set up or will and tear down. You might even have to look past the errors or even sins of someone else to see Jesus. Remembering Jesus died for them too. The invitation is Jesus. Don't miss him. He is here. Now let's look at 1 Corinthians. Across 1 Corinthians, there's a lot of comparisons and analogies. Paul uses familial language, calling Christians brothers and sisters. He compares Christians to crops and uses food like yeast and loaves. He says Christians are like a building and elsewhere the body a temple. He says Christian life is a race, a competition. In chapter 12, Paul writes concerning spiritual gifts. For me, all of chapter 12 is a beautifully compelling poetic vision. It's a calling. It's a declaration. Paul says the church is the body of Christ. He compares the body and the church to show that individual parts play different roles. But all are important to the health of every other Christian in the church. And in that, there's belonging. Belonging is my first seed and observation. I just even, I can't help but see it everywhere. It was even in the front of our worship guide today, the Thomas Goodwin quote. Like I read that and I can't help but see God's design for belonging in the church. Let's read verses 11 through 14. All these, these being the spiritual gifts, all these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each other, just as He determines. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts from one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. In every group, there's some who think their role, whether assigned or chosen, is insignificant. They either don't see the role as valued, or they don't feel themselves as valued in it. Let's do a demonstration together. Take two fingers and find your pulse. Come on, kids, you can do this too. You have a pulse. Teenagers, you're not too cool for this. Come on, find your pulse. This is how you can know you are valuable. Because the Lord of creation decided to breathe life into you. You are valued. Or in little kid talk, little kids, God made no junk. We've seen it. The bumper stickers, right? God made no junk. 
And may the rest of us never forget the simplicity of God's truth. All truth belongs to God. I think this story will demonstrate we belong together. Recently, my friends Owen Rutherford and Josh Kennedy were working together at a construction site. And using a utility knife, Owen sliced his forearm. If you're not sure what a utility knife is, it's a knife, it's a razor. And he accidentally cut himself. He was bleeding a lot. And he froze in a panic, not sure what to do. But Josh, as we know him, right? Josh is like in his calm, cool, collected way. He's like, I got this. He gets some green tape because that's what you find on a construction site to apply pressure. And elevates the arm, takes someone outside, cleans the wound off, and then calls a ride for Owen to go to urgent care and get five stitches. So it is with the body of Christ. We come to one another's aid. We belong together. I can't help but see this everywhere. Two are better than one. A cord of three strands. Is this not paralleled in the Good Samaritan story too? I mean, even the world adopted Good Samaritan laws. It's everywhere. And the evidence for the body of Christ that benefits from connectedness is everywhere. Let's take a couple of anatomical examples for how we're connected, how we belong. The three smallest bones in the human body are found in your middle ear. Their role is to transmit sound vibrations through the air to the fluid of the inner ear. Without these three tiny interconnected bones, we can't hear. Without one of these bones, we're completely missing one of our only five senses. Or consider the hyoid bone. It's right here, just below your jaw. Just the front top part of your neck. You can't really feel it because it's the only bone in the body not connected to other nearby bones. It's only attached by muscles and ligaments. Its job, only to help us breathe, talk, and swallow. Whether you're feeling like a tiny ear bone, small and insignificant, or disconnected from others like you or near you, know this. You are in and a part of the body of Christ, even if you've yet to figure out how you matter. Let's look in verse 15 and 16. Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. This is saying, if you should say, because I am not, fill in the blank. Usually it ends with enough. Because I am not enough, I do not belong to the body. You would not for that reason stop being part of the body. 
Just because you say you don't belong doesn't mean you don't belong. It's verses like this that lead me to tell my kids sometimes that just because someone says something doesn't make it true. Maybe you just need to find a couple of other tiny bones so the three of you together can go make some noise. Too cheesy? Okay, moving on. I remember what belonging felt like as a kid. It happened in two places for me. I felt it as a little kid standing in the church pew because I couldn't see the stage. I wanted to see the stage so I could sing as loud as I could, which is off key when you're a little kid especially. So I stood in the pew, did that week after week, and you know how we do. People generally sit in the same places, and I actually started thinking like, I wonder what the people around me Think of my off-key, loud singing. And then one day, this older couple, right in front of us, turned around and said, they so enjoyed my singing. And I knew they were being very generous and kind and just encouraging me. But as an adult now, and I reflect on that memory, in their own words, what I hear them saying now is, we're glad you're here. Be yourself. You belong here. I felt I belonged when I got to worship at church. I also felt belonging and playing all kinds of sports as a kid, especially my soccer teams. And that's where I experienced belonging so much. Fast forward a few decades and it's no surprise I connect the concept of team with the body of Christ. Eventually becoming a coach, I would use these scriptural principles with team building. At its best, the believers would catch on and the unbelieving would buy in. We'd have our own sort of liturgy with sayings like, we all have different abilities. Each is highly valued. For without one, we would be incomplete. And for, uh, appreciate one another's uniqueness. Play towards how you know them to be their best. And for you, play the way you were made to play. No more, no less. This is what we have to give the team. And if we all give ourselves away for the benefit of the other, then we all succeed. If you ask me if this worked, I'd say their unity around these principles directly correlated to their enjoyment and they're winning. Doesn't this resemble the body of Christ in our passage? If we give ourselves away for the benefit of others, then we are like Christ, a servant in service to the glory of his Father. For those waiting for the predictable sports analogies, I haven't forgotten about you. You mountain hikers, bikers, climbers, you soccer lovers, long-distance runners, uh, you football fanatics. Even recently, I learned we have a small but serious contingent of board game nerds. It's true. I just recently learned this. We're a weird lot. We are. But the body needs these parts, too. Ever try to play four-on-five basketball? 
or a board game when everyone else gangs up on you? It's not that fun, is it? Let me tell you a soccer story. Okay, 10 of you just got smiles and ears perked up. The rest of you looked at your watch. Okay, so stay with us here. Um, when I told Ronnie my sermon model, he's like, ah, that's a listening sermon. And I was like, okay, aren't they all meant for listening? <laughs> I didn't know these things. But that's what he said. So maybe there's a seed in here somewhere for you listening but not yet soccer fans. I played college soccer. My freshman year, we're in the championship game. And our captain and center midfielder, that's kind of like your quarterback, he gets red carded. That means thrown out of the game for headbutting another player. Yeah, bad. Like Zinedine Zidane in the 2006 World Cup final, we lost the game too. I don't know if my college team would have won with all 11 players, but I sure would have liked to have found out and not be wondering for a lifetime. So when this whole participating in the body of Christ gets hard and the stakes get high, stay in the game. Stay together. It's a lot more rich and rewarding. The possible outcomes of falling apart are easily predictable. Only God knows what will happen if we stay together. You see, man didn't invent the concept of team. He only discovered it. God invented the team concept. Its design is 1 Corinthians 12. God's team idea is everywhere. We have a music team. We have a set-up teardown team. It shows up in schools and in business. I mean, it's called Microsoft Teams. If there's a group of people who readily get the benefits of cooperation, togetherness, bonding for a cause or challenge, it may just be the sports enthusiasts and competitors among us. They might just be the ligaments, tendons, and soft tissue that hold us together. You know what else is better together? I think you do, because Ronnie said it earlier. It's suffering. I don't recall where I got this, but it sounded good to me, so I'm sure I stole it from somewhere. But there's this quote. There's much more we can accomplish or suffer better together when we're with the right person or people. Because our God is a redeemer, even our hardships can be suffered better together. Like Jesus, even our scars can point to his sacrificial love. As I said before, I love 1 Corinthians 12. I can't help but interpret much of the world by testing the metaphor everywhere. In June, Ty preached about faith of undesirables from Luke 7, teaching us that undesirables have belonging in Christ. God says everyone matters. In July, Ronnie's sermon from Mark was titled, Looking for Meeting. One point was that we are intrinsically made to want to matter. And that mattering is a hard saying. 
that mattering is to be last, the servant. Though Ronnie and Ty never mentioned the body of Christ or referred to Corinthians, I couldn't help but see it. Both these sermons are on our church website. I invite you to listen again with the body of Christ filter. They speak to everyone matters and mattering is service. This is the second scoop of seed. Often when I speak with newer people at Denver Prez, they will say, I'd like to get involved in the church, but they're struggling with figuring out how or where. They want to participate in the body of Christ. They want to matter. They want to serve. I've never felt like I knew the best thing to say in these conversations. But recently, a memory came to mind. One of my college business professors would open class each day with a devotional from recently passed theologian, author, and Presbyterian minister, Frederick Beekner. In Beekner's book, Wishful Thinking, he writes about vocation, saying that where your deep gladness intersects with the world's deep hunger is your vocare, your call. Latin reference checked. Is it too much liberty to take Beekner's principle and apply it to the service amongst and between our church body? Isn't this the invitation four weeks ago from the diaconate? Remember when Leela Wilson invited us to complete the talent and gifting inventory? If you're not sure how or where to get started, just experiment. Expect it to be met with grace and enthusiasm. Not some big concrete commitment we're going to hold you to forever. Just have fun discovering. Is the body of Christ not meant to be the training ground of servanthood before we go serve our neighbors? Now, if you're contemplating serving in the community like some do with cross-purpose or foster care or service at DPC, ask yourself, where is there hunger that I get joy from feeding? Where's there a need that somehow I am uniquely able to fulfill? Hey, the church can be a messy place too. You know the whole, why do I do what I don't want to do? That thing, it shows up here too. And still, there's no better place to practice serving. 1 Corinthians 12 is God's perfect design for His imperfect people. So far, I've sown two seeds, belonging and mattering. We're halfway home. My third observation is about imperfect love. Who likes stories? I like true stories. Here's a true story of imperfect church people. Almost all of you know the actors. Yes, I'm going to use their real names. Don't you know? None of us are innocent. I wasn't sure about that one. Note to self, edit, questionable jokes. <laughs> Remember former church staffer Nancy Nelson and her family, Phil... Nora and recently born Lulu. They, yeah, a shout out. Was that a, who? Yeah. Is that, or are you just coughing? <laughs> shout out. Um, they recently moved to Kentucky and I miss them. The Nelsons left me better than they found me. Here's an example of imperfect love being received perfectly. 
Before their sudden move, the Nelsons, they were on this long, frustrating search to buy a house in Metro Denver. In a group text, Nancy shared their most recent frustration about losing another bid. I immediately replied with what I think is bolstering their hope and persistence. This is going to work out. I thought it odd Nancy didn't immediately reply to my immediate reply. I mean, two people texting who aren't known for being at a loss of words. See, you know what I'm saying. It was odd. Kristen Kristen chimes in with a text with an empathetic response to Nancy. Nancy quickly responds and embraces it. And only then do I see how I missed what Nancy needed. I missed what she was looking for. Now, the story is not about my great wife, though she is. It's not about my errors, though obvious. It's about how Nancy responded when I told her I'm sorry for missing the mark with her. In her Nancy matter-of-fact way, she says, and I quote, Oh, I wasn't bothered. I know you love me. Can't you hear her saying that? That's so Nancy. She assumed the best in me. My imperfect expression was received perfectly. Her default was, I know he loves me even when he doesn't say or do what I hope he'll say or do. What good advice for all of us. She sought help. She needed to be served. In the end, it was her who served me. And isn't this how we know our Lord to work? He says, just go be a part of the body serving among its stumbling and fumbling imperfect people. And I'll take care of perfecting it. C.S. Lewis. He said, human beings cannot make one another happy for really long. You cannot love a fellow creature fully until you love God. Let's go love God together. Thereby learning to love one another and then the world will know us. Be attracted to Jesus by our love. Now don't mistake me for encouraging your works in this church or community in order to be accepted, justified, or improve improve your reputation. Ty's sermon had something to say about that as well. In July, Ronnie preached that we are saved by works, just not our works. Today is not a poorly disguised call to volunteering or somehow representative how I or the session feel about our congregation. God blessed me to play and coach for over 40 years learning what it means to need one another. People responding to the needs of one another, it's beautiful when you see it in action. I mean, it's the theme of so many movies and books. Think Hoosiers, Rudy, Blindside, Remember the Titans. I think Ted Lasso has a place on that list somewhere. Walk the halls of this school and read the mottos painted for student inspiration. It's everywhere. Let's read what this passage has to say about the fourth observation, needing one another. In verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. 
In God's design, there's division of labor, there's order, there's efficiencies. Not everyone is a hand, a foot, an eye, or the head. I relate to this a lot because I'm a refiner. I like to look for increases in efficiencies and effectiveness. But needing something from someone else is a risky proposition. At least for me, it can be. Being honest with you is saying that the seed of challenge I received while preparing for today is needing one another. See, childhood lessons taught me to guard my heart, to not depend on others, to take care of myself. I'm usually fine if someone else needs something from me, but the mutual reciprocation of needing one another ongoingly can be like cliff jumping and not knowing how deep the water is. When I first came to Denver Prez about nine years ago, I was in a much larger demographic than I am now at 51 years old. Each year, my demographic is getting smaller. But more than okay with that, I actually like it. I'm enjoying the demographic changes in Denver Prez. I'm enjoying seeing younger people come. I'm amazed by your sheer numbers. I mean, I, it feels like to me, Every new Christian moving to Denver is coming here. I mean, Christianity in America has declined 10% in the last 10 years. There's a ton of you guys. Getting to know so many of you has been great. You love the Lord. You have a thirst for His Word, a boldness in your witness. You're faithful. You have a spiritual maturity beyond your years. Us older people... We need you in the body of Christ. Your newness, energy, and enthusiasm are contagious. The body needs younger people to keep up with. Here's the simplified example. My kids love to ride their bikes to school. And if it weren't for me going with them, though they would prefer sometimes I don't, I wouldn't get another hour and a half, two hours of bike riding in a week. Like, that's good for me. You younger people, you have purpose in the body of Christ. Your demographic strengthens my faith. God is still at work. He's still drawing people unto himself. Your walk strengthens mine. We, the collective body, need you. You have much to offer the body of Christ. The more aged among us need your companionship. We need your younger hands to play instruments because ours have grown arthritic. But we still love to worship the songs of old like last week, Amazing Grace. The children here, the children here need role models. They need to more immediately see in you what they don't readily see in us, what's possible for them in education, vocation, discipleship, and servanthood. The body needs you. And you younger people, you need us older people too. The collective group of us have made a list of mistakes that stretches past the moon. No reason you should have to make all the mistakes on your own. We know what it is to change jobs, even careers, to be fired. We learn how to manage difficult bosses. 
and the difficulties of being the boss. We've learned something about money, both when we had it and when we haven't. We too have had the stress of how am I going to pay for the sudden bill of replacing an air conditioner, hot water heater, car repair. We've experienced and sometimes resolved deep relational brokenness with family, friends, and even our spouses. And we know what it is to still live with those relationships unresolved. We know a few things about parenting. We know the highs and lows of our kids' mental health, addictions, and serious medical issues. We've also experienced the struggles of pregnancy, miscarriages, and raising special needs kids. We've known cancer. We've known what it is to be surrounded by people and still be lonely. We've had grief and loss and loneliness. We've buried family members. While still a child, we had parents die. We know what it is to walk in the valley of the shadow of death. We also know how to celebrate. We've been blessed too. God has shown his favor in countless ways. Even the Webb telescope cannot see them all. We've had so many encouraging stories of how God has shown up for us when he healed us. How our teenage mom chose us when everyone else said don't. We have our own stories of how God rescued us from Egypt, parted the Red Sea, and brought us out of the fiery furnace. When he clothed us and fed us, when he showed care for us more than the birds of the air and the flowers in the field. And how he will for you too. For he is forever faithful. We need each other. Lord, I believe. Forgive my unbelief. Do you see all these seeds are from the same garden, the same vine, to feed all the parts of one body? Here are today's seeds. God made you. And he made a design for our togetherness. He says we have purpose and what we do matters. Imperfect as we are, we need each other. This is a healthy, fully functioning body of Christ. Jesus is our vital organ. Our, unite, our unity is only made possible by Christ's brokenness. Let me say that again. Our unity is only possible because Christ was broken. May you encounter him today. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, you created belonging. You breathed it into us. May we together find our belonging in you. Let our love for you and one another bind us together in unity. Without Christ, our service is in vain. May we see our great need for your Son. And may our worship of you in these ways be pleasing. Amen.